Welcome to The Ride Podcast by the Horse and Rider editorial team. The Ride takes you on a deep dive into stories of horse men and women who have inspired us for generations. I'm your host, Michaela Jaycox, and I will be taking you into the Horse and Rider vault to explore stories crafted by leading authors in horse and rider history to expand your understanding of the personalities that shape this Western horse life. Hi guys, welcome back to The Ride. For this episode, we are back to reading profiles, and we have a profile on Leslie Desmond. What do you ladies have to say about her? I'm kind of excited for a little bit of a change-up again, so. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a change-up. It's She's a natural horsewoman. Um, obviously, she came from the ranks of Bill and Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, um, so it's going to be really cool to, to learn more about her in this profile. And, of course, Jenny Forsberg-Meyer, who is our senior editor, who's been with the magazine for decades, um, wrote this, and her writing is absolutely wonderful. It's uh, it's so descriptive, and it'll really let you know who Leslie Desmond is. So I'm excited for you all to hear it. Yeah, I think this is one of the first natural horsemanship trainers that we're featuring on this podcast, too. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to get like that variety we've had. Um, the people that are doing the Mustang makeovers, we've had you know some really established cow horse guys and, and different performance trainers. But I think this is our first natural horsemanship person, and it's it's cool to see their philosophy and and you know it's a really great way to approach riding in general. And it's she's not unlike um, Mustang Maddie was our first episode, and her background was super diverse, just like Leslie's. Mm-hmm. Leslie Leslie was born in Europe, um, spent a lot of time there, then grew up in New England. Um, has started to get her journalism degree, did some art major. So there's a lot going on in her background, and I think I think a lot of the great horsemen and women kind of come from the, one of those really, really broad backgrounds that makes them... I think it changes how they look at horses and how they approach horsemanship because they kind of come from a really different... Uh, they're not just cowboys, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, like you said, she has... She was born in Europe, and I believe we said that she actually still spends a lot of her time in Europe to this day, and I think that does give you a really wide variety of people to work under and learn from and um, branch out of maybe the Western industry to learn something from another industry that's more popular in those countries. Totally. Yeah, so I think that this one will totally be a change-up, and, you know, she offers some insight throughout this profile, so it's not just reading about her. You get to... have a little bit of insight on some natural horsemanship as well. So that will be great for, you know, those of you who are interested in the Liberty work and the natural horsemanship. Totally. And like everything else, this is on our website. The actual print version of this story um, lives on horseandrider.com. But the audio edition, we hope you guys enjoy this. I think I think a lot of people are starting to respond really well to the audio editions of articles. It's just a different way to, to kind of come at you all. Well, our website is so diverse, and we have so much content on there, and we've been a magazine for, what, almost 60 years mm-hmm. now? Like, we, it's it's easy to miss an article on our website, especially if you're not on it as frequently as we are. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so I think it, it just opens the, the door to people that may have never had the chance to read this in person. Yeah, and nothing like um, listening to stories about amazing horsemen and women. Um, while you're headed to a show, a barrel race, a rodeo, a uh, trail ride, anywhere, definitely a nice way to kill time in the truck. So, Yeah, learn a little while you're traveling. Or kill time on the commute, because I know we all spend a lot more time commuting <laughs> than we do going anywhere fun with our horses, unfortunately. So, Yeah, that's the life. Well, <laughs> we will now dive into this profile with Leslie. 
This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Horse and Rider On Demand. The Horse and Rider On Demand program offers training and horse care videos for riders of all levels of Western disciplines from trusted, proven resources. Be sure to sign up for a limited time founder's rate and seven-day free trial. Natural Horsemanship Profile, Leslie Desmond. Chasing horses in circles is not for this horsewoman. Here's how Leslie Desmond goes natural horsemanship one better. Leslie Desmond believes in a better way. She thinks pressure and release, the time-honored method of influencing a horse to do our bidding, too often results in too much pressure. She also believes making the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult, a fundamental and useful concept of natural horsemanship, doesn't go far enough. You need to make the right thing obvious, says the clinician, who's been helping people deal effectively and humanely with their horses for over 40 years. The burden should be on the horseman to make things clear for the horse in the gentlest way possible, not on the horse to figure things out by trial and error. Desmond, who published the 1999 book, True Horsemanship Through Feel, which she co-authored with the late Bill Dorrance, says there's a key difference between what she advocates and the put-up-and-shut-up approach often practiced today. The goal nowadays, even in the name of so-called natural horsemanship, is to stop at nothing until total submission is achieved, she says. What I'd like to know is, when did the horse declare war on the human? Why can't we go about this as a collaboration? If it sounds proactive, it's meant to be. Desmond is passionate about her mission to teach people how to ask and educate their horses rather than tell and intimidate. The key to this, she says, is feel, which for her is as mental as it is physical. Only through feel, the horse's own language, can you achieve the genuine partnership with a horse that everyone claims to want. But how do you get there from here? It's not easy, and in fact Desmond has made that journey her life's work. We're going to share some of what she's learned along the way, offering insights into the psyche of this dedicated and unorthodox horsewoman. If you find yourself intrigued by her approach, there are even things to try with your own horse. Her take on things is unconventional enough that some may find it off-putting. Still, if you want your horse to enjoy the time you spend together as much as you do, Desmond offers a lot of food for thought. No dictatorships. It's October 18, 2005. Desmond is conducting a clinic for an equine science class at California Polytech Institute. She and about two dozen students are afoot in one of the school's large outdoor arenas. I'm not big on dominating a horse, she begins. I've done it, and I've seen where it can lead, and it's not pretty. A horse needs to respect you, yes, but fear-based respect is a dictatorship. The alternative is to earn respect by being a different kind of leader, the kind who serves the needs and interests of the follower. She asked for a volunteer and one of the student obliged, taking one end of the lariat in hand while the clinician, 60 feet away, holds the other. With her forefinger, Desmond taps once lightly on her end of the rope. Can you feel that? She asks the student who nods, smiling. So can your horse. That's often all you need to get his attention. When you pull on a horse, he learns about pulling. If you want him light in your hand at a gallop, you must teach him how to build a float or slack into your lead and rein so that he responds as much from understanding your intent as from feeling or anticipating pressure. It takes plenty of patience and effort on your part to develop the reciprocal feel that this requires, she continues, and a lot of focus to make sure your intent, what you want the horse to do, is always clear to him. 
But once you do achieve this clear connection through feel, almost any horse you work with will become a true partner. She goes on to show the class how to lead a horse with float in the line. Don't get up too close to him, she says, coaching a student who's leading a roan gilding. You show respect by not crowding his space. We hear so much about teaching a horse to respect you, but a horse doesn't learn this by being disrespected. She then explains to the students how to maneuver a horse on the ground. When you want him to move, don't crowd into his space, she instructs. Instead, move off the space you want by focusing your attention on it, by claiming it, in other words. She demonstrates this, stepping a horse to the side by telegraphing her intent via gaze and body language to take control of that space. Think about what happens when you're driving a car. You don't bump another driver off the piece of road you want. You indicate your intent, then wait for the space to become available. Similarly, with a horse, make a clear request, then wait for his response. If you want a polite horse, then be polite to that horse, she concludes. This concept of giving to the horse what you hope to get from him, whether it be respect, softness, or understanding, is a recurring theme with Desmond. Horses are easy to dominate, but that's no reason to do it. It's like the difference between being a loving, supportive parent and a detached, demanding parent. I'm showing people how they can continue to love their horse as they train them, as opposed to chasing goals at the expense of the horse. Clearly, her approach owes much to Bill Dorrance, the Salinas, California-based rancher, known for his intuitive way of communicating with a horse. But the fact that his methods resonated with her when she first met him in 1995 had to do with her own evolving perceptions, which grew out of a lifelong fascination with horses. Pluck and Ponies Born in Nuremberg, Germany in 1954, Leslie Desmond was the eldest of two children. Her mother was an art history and French literature student at the time of her birth. Her father, a Russian interpreter in the U.S. Army, stationed in Europe. Leslie and younger brother Christopher grew up in rural New England. She was a gutsy kid, recalls her father, Peter Desmond, who encouraged both children to get involved with animals. She'd disappear into the forest on her horse and be gone all day on her own. At eight, Leslie came under the influence of Ivan Taylor, a retired U.S. cavalry officer from Vermont. In his mid-80s when they met, Taylor, who'd lost a leg in World War I, wore a single black boot that was always spit-shined, Desmond recalls. His gentle way with the quick ponies he taught young Leslie to ride left a lasting impression on her. I never heard him raise his voice, never saw him strike an animal, she says. Jerking on the reins wasn't tolerated. He also pointed out to me the many tiny things that horses can read in a person. Leslie drank it all in, and it became the root of her deep understanding of how horses and humans communicate. During this time, she was also devouring horse-oriented fiction and nonfiction from the local library. Moved by the classic Black Beauty, she wrote to thank the author for revealing the horse's hard, sad life in England. I didn't know the book was a novel, or that Anna Sewell was long dead, she says. I worried myself sick over Black Beauty. The avid reader wrote to other authors as well, including Margaret Henry of Misty of Chintatig fame and C.W. Anderson, Heads Up, Heels Down, asking and receiving advice on horse training and care. It helped fill the void after Ivan died, she says. At 10, she competed in her first show, riding her aged thoroughbred gilding brown jug 14 miles over back roads to reach the local event. When we arrived, I just led us into the arena, 
No stop at the show office, no number, she recalls. Then, I popped with pride when we won a fifth place in the potato race. Bitten by the show bug, she turned for help to a neighbor trainer who used methods that were foreign to the young horse lover. These included a lot of whip and spur, chain jerking, and lunging with head and neck restraints, she recounts. To earn that trainer's respect and praise, I began putting more and more pressure on my horse. Finally, while spanking him one day for cantering faster when I wanted him to trot, the truth of it hit me. I'd forfeited a cherished friendship with my horse to please this trainer and achieve training goals. It was an epiphany she'd never forget. Finding her way. From age 11 through 14, she spent summer starting young horses and teaching beginners at a day camp in southwestern Massachusetts. After her family relocated to Missouri in 1966, she began riding with jumping coach Bill Burton, competing successfully in junior and open jumping divisions. Impatient in her academic studies, she wound up skipping her senior year of high school in 1971 to enroll in Bennington College in Vermont. Intending to study art, music, and dance, she left the school a year later when investigative journalism caught her interest instead. Her reporting on a local horse abuse case helped to put the offending trainer behind bars. In 1976, she graduated from Boston University with a degree in journalism, after which she worked as a freelance environmental reporter while training horses and holding other part-time jobs. She toyed with the idea of a career in marine time law before opting to stay with the horses. In 1984, she married a polo playing farrier and opened a riding school in western Massachusetts. The couple divorced in 1991. Right man, wrong decision, she says of the marriage. By then, Desmond had relocated to Northern California, where she has family and had visited on and off since the 1970s. There, she met Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, and Buck Branham, beginning what she calls a long period of re-education about horses, during which she attended many clinics. In 91, her brother gave her his horse to teach with. A short time later, she opened a riding school and horse training business in Marine County with trainer Tim Thomas. In 95, she created Diamond Lou Productions to release a three-volume video series, Horsemanship for Children. That same year, she met Tom Dorrance's older brother, Bill whose unwavering emphasis on feel and communication between horse and rider echoed what Desmond had learned years before from her first mentor, the old cavalryman. At Bill's invitation, she began bringing her students and horses to Dorrance's Salinas Ranch. Before long, the circumspect horseman, then almost 90, started hinting at the possibility of a joint project. He kept saying to me, You know, a fella would write a book if he only knew how. Desmond recalls, finally, I realized what he was getting at. Honored to be a part of the effort, she helped him fashion his thoughts for the page, then published the resulting book, pre-selling over 1,500 copies to help raise the needed funds. During the same period, mid to late 90s, Desmond began presenting her own clinics in the United States and coaching in Europe and Australia. From 2000 on, she spent more and more time abroad, studying classical riding and handling techniques, and developing horsemanship schools and written materials. She also established wilderness adventure tours in Europe that offer instruction in horsemanship through field. Since 2004, she's been living half-time near Stockholm, Sweden. I love Europe, she says, 
Sweden especially has the look and feel of the U.S. countryside in the 50s and 60s. The Swedish are very much into open land preservation, which is great for writing. She returns regularly to the States to conduct clinics and seminars, at which veterinarians, barriers, the handicapped, and children under 18 are admitted free of charge. At press time, she was putting the finishing touches on a 10-CD audiobook, Horse Handling and Riding Through Feel, and remastering her earlier video program for DVD, new title, American Horsemanship for Young and Old. I promised Bill I'd do everything I could to get his word out, and that's what I'm doing, she says. Whole New World. Those who've worked closely with Desmond echo her fervor and commitment. When you get out of the horse's way and listen to him, it opens up a whole new world, says Kyle Kimball, who apprenticed with Desmond for two seasons beginning in 2001. I'd already reached an advanced level in another natural horsemanship program, and although the work I'd been doing was great, something in my horse wasn't right. He wasn't happy. Then, when I saw what Leslie did, I thought, that's it, continues Kimball. Up to that point, my horse had been subject to pressure and release. He'd never had a chance to say no to anything. His voice had been silenced. Kimball compares the situation to a marriage in which all you could do is obey, with no chance of initiating anything on your own. Think of it. You'd hate it, she says. But with feel, there's a consciousness of being together, which both horse and human strive to maintain. Does it take longer to achieve than the response you'd get from traditional pressure and release? Yes, but you don't care because you can see how much it means to your horse, and you're having so much fun along the way. Desmond says horses do have a deep-rooted desire to please. They just want a role that makes sense to them. There's no cookbook approach to what I do, she adds. I just teach people how to observe their horse to figure out what their next step should be. Ultimately, the less posturing, rope twirling, bumping, jerking, and kicking a horse has to process, the more he admires your leadership qualities and seeks you out. Though what she does is for the good of the horse, she said it's of serious importance to riders as well. Someday you're going to come off your horse and maybe get hung up in the stirrup. When that happens, will your horse take off because he can? Because you're no longer in charge of him? Or will he stop? and wait and offer a little float towards that leg of yours because he's your genuine partner. If you're hoping for the latter, you'd better develop some feel. Curious about Leslie Desmond techniques? Try these to learn more. Developing that kind of reciprocal feel Leslie Desmond advocates is a long-term deliberate process. Here, she offers a few things to try with your horse to get an introductory idea of what this feel is all about. Experiment. See how little it takes to get your horse to respond at the end of a lead line. Specifically, instead of holding him closely and pulling him forward, put some float in the lead and ask him to follow your body language as you walk forward. Once he's following you, try a dollar drop stop. By that, I mean keep the float in the line while you look down intently and stop suddenly, as if you just dropped a dollar on the ground. See if he doesn't stop with you almost automatically. Stand at his elbow and ask him to bring his head around toward you by extending a slack lead toward him, rather than by drawing on the lead. Hint, try stepping back to invite him into that space. Ask him to step his hindquarters aside in response to your body language and intent. Thinking about how you ask and wait when you're requesting that other drivers make room for you on the freeway. Walk the walk. As you lead your horse with float in the line, and without asking for any particular speed, 
synchronize the movement of your legs with his front legs. This is called blending, and it signals your intention to get with your horse. It helps when you focus on a spot and go there together. Try blending with his steps when your horse is at liberty, too. See how it catches his attention. Partner up. If you ordinarily spend a lot of your riding time schooling your horse, try instead just doing things with him as a partner rather than training on him. Work cattle with friends for fun. Remember, no schooling. Or go on a trail ride over new terrain. Do something you're both eager to do and can enjoy together. It builds a strong bond when you're both having fun. To learn more, go to www.lesliedesmond.com. We hope you enjoyed this profile on Leslie Desmond and would like to once again thank our friends at Horse and Rider On Demand for bringing you this episode of The Ride. Be sure to visit ondemand.horseandrider.com to sign up for your free trial today. And for this episode's Horse of the Week, we have a horse brought to you by A Home for Every Horse, which was created in 2011 in result to a partnership between the Equine Network, the nation's leading publisher of equine-related content, and the American Horse Council's United Horse Coalition. The program provides resources for 501c3 horse organizations. Visit ahomeforeveryhorse.com for more information. This week's horse is Cheyenne. She's a 12-year-old mare. She's super cute, guys. She rides both English and Western. Um, she knows all of the basic things, so she's perfect for that intermediate rider in your life. Um, they say that she would possibly work for a beginner with the guidance of a trainer, so... You know, if you have somebody who can help you, this mare might be one to look into. She looks really balanced. She doesn't have papers, but she looks really, really level and balanced. You guys got to check her out. She's on equine.com and homeforeveryhorse.com, um, and you can contact the rescue there. They say she's a, her temperament is a 2 on a scale of 1 being bomb-proof and a 10 being hot. So she probably worked for a lot of different scenarios, and, and it looks like the, the rescue really wants to vet where she came from which is a really good sign that she's probably of pretty high quality. Nobody's just trying to unload this horse. Yeah, and I think it even says that she has show experience, um, and they're they're showing her in both the English and the Western stuff. They're putting her over fences, and I think we said she's jumped up to, like, two feet and a couple of inches, and so she's definitely got a diverse background, and she already has that experience in the show pen. Yeah, so if you're interested, she's located in South Carolina, so go to ahomeforeveryhorse.com, and look under Adoptable Horses, and that will take you to equine.com, and you can search for Cheyenne, who is a confidence-building quarter horse mare. And if you guys do adopt Cheyenne, we want to know about it so that we can tell all of our friends within the equine network and share the exciting news, and we just want to hear about your life and your updates with a horse that you adopt through A Home for Every Horse, whether it's Cheyenne or another horse. And we tell stories about... Um, the horses that are adopted through A Home for Every Horse in the magazine, every single issue, every quarter that you get it. Um, so who knows? If you get a hold of us, let us know that at Horse and Rider at aimmedia.com, let us know that you adopted a horse from this podcast. Um, it could very well end up in, in the magazine. Yeah, and um, on top of that, feel free to email us comments and let us know how we're doing, what you want to hear more of. And, and if you have any really cool people that we need to learn about, you know, we want to know. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Ride Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this profile. As always, remember to go subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. While you're there, why don't you give us a rating? We want to know how we're doing, and this also helps other listeners find us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
See you next time.